Have you ever um, gotten directions and uh, taken them the wrong way? Somebody's given you directions and you heard them wrong or you just went about it the wrong way, something like that? Um, I have, for sure. And it happened, the worst time in my life, I think, ever was on my first date with Stephanie. Not a good way to begin. And so she had told me how to get to her house. She lives out in the country, and I, being a Kitchener-raised city boy, did not understand country roads in wintertime at all, and I thought, I'll figure it out. And what I heard her say, so this is important, what I heard her say and what I wrote down was, uh, on the final little stretch of where I need to get to her farmhouse, I go along this, the second last road, and, and I wait till I get to the first stop sign, I turn right, and it's the first farm on the right. So, first stop sign, turn right, first farm on the right. That's what I heard. And so I drove on that road and passed by the first road and the second road and the third road, and I'm thinking there's got to be a stop sign coming up. It's snowing. I can't really see that well. And eventually I thought, oh, I must have it wrong. I better turn around. So, but I thought, oh, I'll turn here, and maybe this is the one. And so I turned right and turned into the first farmhouse on the right. Um, only, I thought it was a lane. It was tractor tire tracks, and I ended up in a ditch. And so I showed up an hour late for our first date because I had to go up to that home of people I didn't know wearing a spring jacket and running shoes in the middle of winter. Good, real smart young adult I was. And uh, they pulled me out with a tractor, and I said, her father's name, and they said, oh, I know that farm. Here's how to get there. It was actually just first road, turn right, first farm on the right. And so we, if we read the Bible that way, it's going to be very difficult. If we misunderstand what we hear and we try to obey, it's like a guy I heard of one time who uh, really wanted to follow God, really wanted to get into Bible reading and obey God through that, and uh, thought, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, since all the Bible is useful and profitable, I'm going to flip this thing open, and the first thing I see, I'm going to obey. Uh, you'll see the verse on the screen here. I'll read it. Um, then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. What are you to do with that? <laughs> do you think that God wanted to use that in his life at that moment, that he was to obey that exactly as is? You see, the Bible is the primary way that God speaks to us. It's the most clear. There's clarity there. Uh, but if you read it in the wrong way or you take the wrong directions and uh, even how you begin looking at God's word, it's going to lead you off track. Now, if we were meeting for a seminar or a morning or something, I would end this teaching by going into some other ways that we can hear God's word and finally end with listening for guidance and discernment so that you don't flip open the Bible like that or get these wrong directions. But we're not going to do that. So over the next three weeks, this, is, this whole series is a, uh, something that goes together. And so if you haven't watched the first couple weeks, I encourage you to go back. Uh, if you aren't planning on attending or watching the next few weeks, uh, at Sunday morning, 10 a.m., go back and review them because it's really important we get it all together because we're ending with guidance and discernment and how to actually recognize God's voice, some things that we can do for that. But for today, we're focusing on hearing in the Word, hearing God's written Word. And my hope and my desire this morning is not just to understand that God's written word is his primary way to speak to us because it's clear, he's written it down, it's meant to be understood. And if we 
you know, rewind to first week. We can't understand the Bible apart from the Holy Spirit. That builds a foundation for this morning. But what I hope isn't just to convince you of that, but to help us change our perspective in how we read God's Word, how we look at it, and what we expect from God, or what can be expected from God's promises as we read it. The reality is that the Bible points to God, all of it. It points to God, not a distant God up there with rules down here. If we do everything just correctly, we'll come closer to him or he'll see us as righteous enough and we'll maybe get into heaven or get some of the blessings, right? So you're going to start Christmas shopping soon. And here's what I hope not to hear or see on social media is hashtag blessed. God must really love me. I got a great bar- parking spot, right? That's not the way this, this whole thing works, right? I must have really done something good for God to love me in that way. He's up there. I'm down here, but I'm getting a little closer to him because I'm reading his word and I'm getting a gold star in Sunday school. The good news is this. We have a living savior. We do not have a distant God who's apart from humanity, wound the world up and set it on its course, and then, you know, we hope, hope to figure him out. Our risen Savior has a written word that's alive and active. As alive and active as Jesus is in our life, as alive and active as his Holy Spirit and Father are in our life, so his written word is to come alive to us as well. And as we develop our spiritual eyes and ears, as we grow in our spiritual maturity to recognize what God is speaking from his word and at other times, we'll begin to want to do that more intentionally. And just like anything, like a, like a hobby or a sport or a skill, it's difficult at first to recognize what God is saying clearly from his word. And so that's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we have his word. That's why we have a church family to help us with guidance and discernment. There's all of these things. But we need to recognize that just reading the Bible is difficult for many people. And it's going to be difficult for you too. Maybe you've had this experience. Maybe January 1st rolls around or you go to some, um, you know, a retreat or a a moving service or something happens in your life and you decide, I'm going to spend some quiet time. I'm not doing that. I want to, you know, start my devotional practice. I want to get closer to God. And so you begin reading a devotional or the Bible or something and it just doesn't go so well. It's hard. It's hard to wake up early or stay up late or pick a time and you don't know where to start reading and God seems way up there and you seem like, is he really speaking? And if all Bible reading is, is getting to know about God, knowing information, then it's going to be frustrating. Do you know what we don't need more of? Information. We don't need more information. There's lots of information. We have a great church library downstairs. We have an internet. Be careful. Okay, there's lots of weird stuff out there, but we have lots of information. We don't fail to grow in our relationship with God because we need more information. Now, sometimes we need direction, guidance. We need some pieces of information, especially when we're new to the faith. But what we need is a relationship with God that's growing and active and alive and him to come alive through his primary way of speaking, which is his written word. So when you begin to try and intentionally hear God, things happen in your life. Hopefully your perspective through God's word will change. But there may be some bumps along the road. It's like uh, some of the failures. I I like to share some of my failures, so maybe you don't have to 
do those too. So when I was a young adult, I went on something called a SALT team, serving and learning together for a summer. And uh, we went all over the place, and we had this debrief week way up north somewhere, I don't even know where, uh, at this cabin. And I had been in some conflict with some people on the team, and I was very spiritually and emotionally immature. And so I, on a certain day as part of that team, I got really angry and didn't know how to process all that and thought, the only way I'm to do this, they'll really get my point, is if I leave. And so I did. I left in a flurry and not very good. And I started walking. And soon dusk started to come. And I thought, God's on my side. He's supporting me. And boy, this will really show them. And nobody knew where I was, including me. And uh, so dusk started to come. And so I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going to follow God. So I got a coin out of my pocket. Because I hadn't eaten all day. I didn't have money. There's no debit, internet, no cell phones, nothing like that. I, I am that old. And, and so I'm flipping a coin and going... At this T intersection, God, do I go right or do I go, do I go right or do I go left? And half the time it seemed like he was correct. And God in his abounding mercy, okay, had a kind older gentleman when it was getting dark pull up beside me and say, like, what are you doing? And I hopped in his uh, car, which maybe wasn't the best thing to do, but I didn't know what else to do because I was up north uh, in the woods. So, uh, I said the name of the lake, and as we got closer, I could recognize the, the laneway and the cabin and all that stuff, and I returned unharmed. Now, if I would have been growing in God's word the way I should have been, I could have noticed some things there about conflict resolution and about dealing with, you know, myself and, and teams and people and how you process things and how not to show other people you're right and how God doesn't honor when you disobey him. I could have learned some of the things clearly and simply from his word. Have you ever had those times like that? Maybe, hopefully not quite like that, but where you really need God's guidance and you're in a pickle. And it tends to be we enter into those times, looking at God's word or praying uh, just for this hope. Like, God, you got to get me out of this. We're like up to here. We don't know what to do. And we're panicked. And so we flip open the Bible and we look for a verse or we look for something. God in his graciousness often takes us in our spiritual maturity and answers anyway. But I'd like us to grow beyond that a little bit. And so John 14 and John 16 are particular chapters where uh, we find out some of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And John 16, 7 says this, But in fact, it is better for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. This is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. It's better that I physically go away, that I die, rise again, and ascend to heaven, because I will send my Spirit. The Father will send the Holy Spirit to dwell inside you. And it's better than having Jesus walking physically beside you because God's Spirit can speak at all times. That's something to recognize and be aware of, that reading his word is not something done apart from God. It's done with him. As God is alive, his word is to come alive in relationship with him, not apart from that. John 14, 26 says this, but when the Father sends the advocate as my rep representative, Jesus speaking again, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Who is our primary teacher? God, through the Holy Spirit. His written word teaches us 
what we need to know. And as we, as I read in Joshua there, meditate on this day and night. The word meditate in a Christian perspective doesn't mean just to quiet our hearts and think about whatever. It means to literally chew the cud. As a cow eats something really gross, right? Eats something and brings it back up and chews it and brings it back up. We bring those verses up and what the Holy Spirit does is when we put God's word into our hearts, when we memorize it and we spend time with it, he brings that up at times we need that. And we chew on it and we think about it and he teaches and reminds us. God's word is important and it's living. It's not a book distant from its author. It's, I mean, some people see it as history and it does contain history and it's, some people see it as a religious book and I suppose we could see it as a religious book, that's fine. But it is more than that. It is God's written word that we use in relationship with God the Father, that the Holy Spirit illumines our hearts. He brings things to our attention and helps us know that. Now, there's two primary ways that God speaks through his written word. Primary, I say primary, because we could come up with a whole lot more. But he speaks generally through his written word. So there are general things there that are applicable to all people at all times in all circumstances. So think of like Beatitudes, uh, ten, ten Commandments, uh, some of the more general parables. There are principles and things about life and following Jesus that will apply to your life. If you do these general things all the time, it's going to be good for you. But there are also personal things you find there. And we find personal things in the Bible where there's a narrative that happens specifically to someone and that instance is for that person. However, that can be applied personally to us. Let me describe what I mean by that. Now, in order to understand what I'm talking about, you need to know a little bit of, a little bit of Greek, and we're not going to learn a whole lot this morning. But our English language, and I say this constantly, I'm not a Greek scholar, by the way. I use Bible software. I took Greek in Bible college, loved it. I appreciate it. I have a foundation. But I search the same way you need to search to figure out these things. And there are a number of words. Okay, you have to really listen to what I'm saying now because it'll get confusing. And I'm going to see if you're tracking with me. There are a number of words in Greek for the English word word. Following? The English word word, when you read it in the New Testament, a word of the Lord, a word was given. That word in Greek, has several words. So when you read the English word word, it's not necessarily meaning the way we think about word. Okay, there's multiple words for the word word. Tracking? You good? Okay, because if you're not, we're in trouble. All right, so two, two main Greek words that are translated in English as word. Okay, so I'll just, I'll just pause for a moment. For those of you whom English is a second language, raise your hand if we have a wonderful language that's clear and easy to learn. <laughs> right? So, oh, one, one person, one person. Okay. Okay. So, not so much because it happens all the time. Where other languages have some specificity, we're just a general casual bunch. And so, the first word that we find 
in Greek used for the English word word is logos. Now you may be familiar, we may have heard that before. I use Bible software called logos Bible software. And there's two primary ways that that word logos is used. And so in John chapter 1, we read, and the word was with God and the word was God. That word, word, is the Greek word logos and it refers to Jesus. So primarily there is the first meaning of the word word. (laughs) The word logos is used. It's about Jesus being the living word of God. And the word was with God and came and dwelt among us. And his light and life bring salvation to all. Full of grace and truth. John 1. That's the first meaning of the word logos. But there's another that I want to focus on today. It gets, gets more confusing. So not every time you read the word logos does it refer to Jesus, the living word. Sometimes it refers to a phrase, something spoken, a word of the Lord given generally. So when God gives a general word, general instruction, speaking guidance, generally the word logos is used. And so most of the Bible we could consider a logos from God, a general revelation, a general word to all people, all time, every situation, a logos. So that's the first word for Word. When God gives a word instruction, sometimes it's general. But there's a second that we need to understand, and it's the Greek word rhema. And a rhema has to do with something specific or personal. So where a logos word, that God would speak a word, the word of the Lord came to me, I'm speaking a word to you, I received a word from God, an instruction from God, God spoke to me, logos is this general thing. It's this general thing. They're also personal and specific. A rhema is something for a specific person or people group at a specific time for a specific purpose. And so here's why that is very important. Um, We need to pay attention between the two because if we get them confused, it it might really mess things up. So let me... Um, give you an example. If you're reading, uh, let's say in the Beatitudes, and you're reading something general, that can be applied to you. But as with our little, uh, like Judas fortune cookie kind of open the Bible type thing, uh, if you read in the Old Testament about Abraham and Sarah, and you read that God came to Abraham, and he gave a word uh, that Sarah was going to have a baby at 90 years of age and Abraham at 99. And you think, that's something personal for me. Right? You may have some problems <laughs> applying that. If I'm to believe that God is, when I hit 99 and Stephanie is 90, we're not nine years apart, but for the sake of illustration, she's going to have a baby. And not only is she going to have a baby, It's the child through whom God will raise a nation and bless all people and bring the Messiah. And I live that out because God spoke that to me. It's a general word. It's a logos for everyone. And then you read it and you say, well, I think when I'm 90 or 99, God is going to give me a child through whom he will bless all people and raise up a nation and bring the Messiah and bless all people. 
we have a lot of teaching to go through <laughs> to begin any type of new believers class, right? It doesn't work that way. That was a rhema word for Sarah alone. Okay? So there are logos and there are rhema. There is general teaching and there's specific. In the word you find general things spoken to general people. You can apply it, take it, run with it. There are all sorts of things like that. But there are personal and specific things in God's word as well. And we need to pay attention to those. So here's, here's the difference between the two. So think for a moment of your favorite sports team, okay? Think of your favorite sports team. And those who aren't into sports, I'll make an assumption you're into some sort of music. So think of your favorite sports team or your favorite band, all right? Got them in your head? Favorite sports team or favorite band? Now think of your favorite player on that sports team, okay? Think of your favorite sports team and your favorite athlete on that sports team or think of your favorite band and your favorite member of that band or artist. Okay, you got them in your heads? Let's say you have subscribed to this team or this band's email list. Okay, you're part of their fan base and a tweet goes out only to fans. Okay, and you get that or an email blast goes out and you get that and it says, next week there is a special game for members of the fan base only, here's where to buy tickets. Next week, there's a special private show of this band for the fan base only. Here's a link to buy tickets. Nobody else knows about it except you. Is that a good thing to receive? Absolutely. But it's not just for you. It's like for all these people who happen to be in here in the same way that God's general revelation generally applies to all followers of Jesus. You can obey these things. You can know with clarity. You don't have to ask, discern, wonder what he wants you to do with this. You read it and you apply it. It's for everyone. But if instead you receive a personal text from your favorite athlete on that team who says, I notice you're one of our top fans. And next week I'm coming to do an exhibition game in Kitchener and I'd love you to play on my team and afterwards go out for dinner. My treat, love to get to know you. Are you down? <laughs> what are you replying? No, I've got soup with the in-laws, can't make it, right? Of course. Or the favorite artist, your favorite band member goes, noticed you're one of our top fans. We're coming to do a private show, small, intimate. It's it's already paid for you. You already have a ticket. Come early. I'll show you around. And afterwards, we'll go to dinner. We'll hang out. I'd love to get to know you a bit more. Which would you rather have? A general email blast or tweet as a member of the fan base to come to this special thing you buy tickets to or whatever? Or a personal invitation that's just for you? And it's only sent to you. That's not for like the five biggest fans. It's only you. Which would you rather have? It's obvious. You'd rather have the personal. This is where we need to change our perspective on God's word. Because even though God's word is filled with logos, it is his written, living, active word, God is in the business through the Holy Spirit to make each of these logos words a rhema word in your life. So even through Abraham and Sarah, this Rhema word only to Sarah. You can't apply it in that same way. He can take that and make it a rhema word in your life by applying it to your life today. God takes 
logos and rhema words from his word through his spirit as you're in relationship with him as you understand what you're reading and how to apply it and makes it a rhema word in your life while you're reading God's word he is reading you through it and helping you to put that into application let me give you another example of what God is trying to do because if we read the Bible the first way it's good it's great and lots of people do but if we read it the second way that's where we developed intimacy with the Father so this morning, I can say, and I genuinely mean it, that I love you. I can say that as pastor, whether you're in person or online. And depending on your relationship with me, you'll think, okay, thank you. Or you might think, yeah, I've experienced that. That's, that's nice. That's, that's nice. <laughs> if instead, I use that same phrase, and out uh, in a night I've planned, I take my wife's hand. being married 28 years and look in her eyes and I said I love you is there a difference you can tell by my voice there's a difference God is not using his word to give you this general hey go and listen to a pastor pick up this devotional read this verse he's up here we're down here how possibly could we understand him and relate to him but I'm going to read his word it's this general thing it's good I possibly should apply this to my life no he is whispering I love you through his word every time you read or hear his word and that's the perspective change I want you to make because if we're only reading as a religious book a good book full of principles with good stuff or history that we can apply we can take and apply and we go to workshops and read books and hear podcasts and here's how I apply this words we're going to miss out on God's heart there's over 700 different promises in the Bible some of them general some of them specific. And if you're reading the Bible and you misunderstand a general promise, like the one I talked about Abraham and Sarah, as a personal one, it's going to mess you up a little bit. So we do need to understand when we're reading, there are general things that God can apply to you in a rhema way. And there are rhema ways, personal things, that are not specifically meant for us. And so be careful in how you claim that we're not about naming and claiming promises. We're about following and keeping in step with the Spirit in intimate relationship through the Father because of the Son. So God takes these logos and these rhema from his word and he takes them and transforms this logos, this general thing, into a personalized word just for me, just for today. So reading the Bible can be difficult. Having quiet times can be difficult if you just see that God is up here and I'm down here and here's a way to get to him or a way to understand him or a way to follow him. But the reality of God's word is this. Hebrews 4.12. Maybe you know this verse. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than, it, than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrows. It expresses our inmost thoughts and desires. It's not alive on its own. 
It's the Holy Spirit who brings that to life. His word is able to cut and divide through all the excuses, lies, and confusion that go on in our mind and our heart. It cuts through. And God can, through his word, illuminate what's going on in our life and illuminate what we're reading from his word. I call that the very theological term of having an aha moment. Okay? God wants you to have aha moments. He wants you to read his word and go, ah, oh, I get this, or this is for me, or here's how this applies today. And once you start listening in that way, and you start to train your spiritual eyes and ears to hear and see what God is doing, and you have that regularly in your life, there's no turning back. You won't want to. Because to read a Bible story, a verse, a passage, and have God apply it to your life and know that's just for you in that moment. And then to have the Holy Spirit bring that up throughout the day and week and season and draw you back is something else. We have a uh, verse on our, uh, in our dining room that's posted there. I had it turned into um, just a print and we have it there beside some lyrics from a song that were significant during Stephanie's cancer surgeries. And that particular verse someone sent me while we were in the waiting room before she went in for surgery. And the both of us knew, and that verse and that sentiment had been circulating around in multiple ways. God had already been bringing that general thing up to make it personal, something we can cling to. And now we look at that again and again, and it was that confirmation in that moment where we both knew God's using this again. His word is living and active. It exposes our innermost thoughts, shows us who we are. We don't even know what we're thinking. Do you know how confusing it is to even figure out what we're thinking or feeling, let alone what God is feeling or thinking or directing? But that's what he does. That's how he works. So we need to recognize that he wants to speak to us. How? Personally. God uses his word personally. And by personally, I don't mean flip open the Bible, Judas, go hang yourself. You do that. Flip open the Bible. You're promised to have a baby at 99. Now you cling to that promise. There's deeper maturity to that. And God takes these logos and these rhema words and applies them to ourselves. Let me give you some examples. Um, so you see how that works. Even though we're not talking about discernment, guidance, how to tell, because that's hopefully the natural question you're asking. Well, how do I recognize God's voice? How do I know this is a general or a personal word? We'll get there. And unfortunately, we can't get there all the way. Even if I was to teach you from now until, you know, 2036, it is a maturation process in relationship with God where he knows who you are and speaks to you in ways that you understand. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep know my voice. They just do. Consider Peter for a moment. So Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. If you're not familiar with him, he was a hothead. And he was always like, he was always first out. Like just, you know, he's, he, he, he was one who cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. And he, he's bold and he spoke things to Jesus where Jesus had to rebuke him and correct him. And there's this particular time where all the 12 disciples, they're, they're in a boat and going across um, water. And Jesus is not with them, but Jesus eventually walks to them on the water. And they get very scared, as you and I would, because they think he's a ghost. And once they realize it's Jesus, 
Peter says this, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. He's always the first out. And he's saying, Lord, if it's you, tell me to step out of the boat. And so Peter does. Maybe you're familiar with this narrative. And he steps out of the boat and he walks on water and eventually he's afraid of the wind and the waves. And Jesus reaches out and he says, you know, you need to have more faith than that. And Jesus calms the storm. So, why is it that no other disciples hopped over the boat? Hopped over the edge? Why were none of them ready to go, me too? Because Peter was the only one who asked Jesus. Remember, Jesus didn't just show up and say, Peter, come on out here. Peter said, hey, if you tell me, I'll come and do the same thing alongside you. And Jesus said, come. That was a rhema word. What Jesus invited Peter to do was based on Peter's specific question and where Peter was at in life. Jesus could have said, all of you come out, but he didn't. That was a specific thing. Here's how God takes that rhema word from the mouth of Jesus for Peter alone. So you're not to be out fishing, okay? And open that on a quiet moment in a beautiful day, connecting with God and, and nature and say, it's my time, God. I'm getting out of the boat. Now, he might do that. I'm not saying God can't, but it's more than likely he's not going to call you to jump over the side of the boat. I have a hunch that you'll have a very wet and very miserable rest of your day. However, the number, the sheer number of people who've heard that in a message, a song, read it in a quiet time, heard about it through a devotional, and had God transform that simple act of faith, big faith of Peter's, to step outside and walk on the water unsuccessfully with great faith. And unsuccessfully, I just mean he lost faith real quick. The sheer number of people throughout history who God has taken that true life narrative and applied it personally to their life to get them to step out in faith in things like missions or ministry or having a tough conversation or giving more generously or doing something that is scary like a storm. Having great faith in the midst of great trouble. The sheer number of people who have had greater faith because of that narrative and have read that, listened to that, taken that in their heart, and God has transformed that general logos word or transformed that personal rhema word to Peter to a personal word to me. It's insurmountable. Maybe you've had that in your life. So God is in the business of doing this. Yesterday was Remembrance Day. Significant that we're praying for a persecuted church tonight, praying for Israel and Gaza and other places of conflict as well. But yesterday being Remembrance Day, thinking back to uh, the two great wars and sacrifice, whatever your history uh, or your theology on military strife and service, we can still remember and be thankful for what we have, regardless of what you would do in that situation. There's a guy, a theologian, uh, grew up in Germany, a pastor by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You might know him, one of the greatest theologians of our time. In fact, much of our evangelical theology has been shaped by his thought and writings. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, being in Germany, in Lutheran church, um, was at great risk. 
because unlike the other Lutheran ministers at the time who were willing to go along with the German and Nazi regime just to keep the peace and keep meeting and, you know, maybe we should just go along with this, he was uncomfortable. But those around him, his leadership, his denomination, thought this guy's in great peril. We got to get him out of here as things started to get bad in early uh, World War II. And so they got him a position in New York and got him out of Germany before they couldn't. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't Jewish at all, but he, he was feeling uncomfortable about what was happening and starting to speak out a little bit. They got him out and got him to New York, and while he was there, he felt a growing uneasiness about the choice he'd made to leave. And he had this stirring. A few weeks ago, we talked about a stirring. He had a stirring from the Holy Spirit in his heart that he wasn't in the right place. Everybody else is telling him, be wise, be smart, we got you out. It's going to get bad there. Stay here. You can do more help here than you can there. And he was uncomfortable. And so in his reading and in his quiet times, on June 24th, 1939, God spoke to him through Isaiah 28:16, And a translation from the German that he would have been reading in, a translated from German into English, reads this way. He would have read it this way. The one who believes doesn't flee. So he's got this stirring. He reads that and he thinks, hmm, I think maybe God's doing something, but I'm not sure. And so he tucks it away in his heart and continues to pray about it. Two days later, on June 26, 1939, God spoke to him again through a different piece of scripture. 2 Timothy 4.21, same thing. Here's the English translation out of the German. He would have read it as, do your best to come here before winter. Now, that Isaiah 28 and 2 Timothy 4, those weren't written for that. And it's dangerous just to pull that out. But because he had this stirring, because multiple times God had spoken to him, he made the decision to go back. And he did a lot of good in Germany and was eventually put in prison and put to death just days, like a week or two before the war ended. But God has used his life since. God personalized the written word to his heart to direct him to do something crazy, but the right thing. He was listening in a personal way. There's nothing mystical about this. There's nothing mystical about looking at God's written word and listening in a way that we expect God to speak personally. And when I say expect, it's not he's below us and he better do our bidding. It's about an anticipation. It's great faith that a God who should have nothing to do with us loves us so deeply that he would help us understand his written word, whether it's a general or personal thing, narrative, verse, passage, and personalize it to us so we can apply that. You've already had this happen, likely, in your life. If you've ever heard a sermon, and that sermon, as the pastor or preacher is, is bringing truth from a particular passage, and it's pricked your heart a little bit, and you, it, you think, that's just for me. And then you talk to someone else who heard the same sermon, and you say, oh man, that, God, God made that just for me. And the other person says, no, he made that just for me. And person A says, this is what I think he was saying to me. And person a, B says, no, this is what he was saying. They're both getting something unique, personal for them. If you've had that happen, you've already listened to God's written word in a way that you expect him 
to whisper something personal to you. If you've ever been trying to give some direction or help to someone, let's say you're helping another follower of Jesus, they're going through, um, need some guidance, or going through a tough time, you just don't know what to say, and you suddenly get a, a, a stem of a Bible verse, or you've memorized a verse, or you get a reference, or something related to God's word, and it's just the right thing, and you say, I, I don't know if this means anything to you, I, I, I give this to you open-handed, but man, this, this verse is just on my heart. Does that mean anything to you? And God has not only given a personal word to you, but to the other person through you. That's what I'm talking about. If you have um, ever been reading God's written word, and some sort of theme just keeps bubbling up, it just rises to the surface, you just kind of know, ah, that's for me today. You've had this happen. And if you've not had that happen frequently, regularly, I just want to encourage you today to think of it that way. God is speaking to you personally through his word. The question is whether you're listening personally or not. So it's the Holy Spirit to take the written word of God, the Bible, and make it come alive because he's alive. God's alive, Jesus is alive, Holy Spirit is alive, making the written word come alive and helping you to understand that within relationship. That's what God wants to do. My hope is that you change your perspective this morning in how you hear, how you approach God's word. Not this distant thing, but close. The Bible is the primary way that God speaks because it's clear, it's written. There's lots there that you don't have to be confused about or ask about. Um, direction and ways we follow Jesus. But it's alive because he makes it personal. And so what I want to encourage you to do today is to be open to God speaking to you personally through his written word. Be open to that. That's, that's your application today. Just be open. If you're not regularly reading his word, that's the first and most basic thing to do. If you're not doing it on a daily basis at least, begin that. Pick a time, pick a place, and pick a, a, a spot to read. Now, once we get to Advent, we've got all sorts of devotionals ready. We've got a Bible reading plan for you. You can get that all online. We'll have it in the Bible app when you uh, look at through uh, sermon notes and things in the service. We have devotional reading plans right now. But if you don't know where to start, probably the Gospels are a great place. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Or if you really want to grow in your prayer life, start with some of the Psalms. Start reading there. That's the most basic place. So the most basic thing is to start doing that. It's not as hard as you think. It does take some discipline to set aside time. But once you start listening in this way and God starts speaking to you, you don't want to go back. It, it, how do you get a passion or desire to start reading the Bible in this way? Start reading the Bible. <laughs> as you continue to read the Bible, you'll have more desire, more passion, and it will connect with you because God is relating with you personally. So we need to do this each day, pick a passage, read it slowly. Doesn't matter how much or how little. Rely upon God to do that or ask someone to give you some suggestions. I'd be glad to give some suggestions. As you read, pay attention to what bubbles to the surface, what floats to the surface, what seems to capture your heart because more likely than not, that is what God is speaking. Now we'll get to some discernment and wisdom and guidance in, in future weeks, but for now, that's important. Don't step out and do something foolish, okay? So if you're reading that Judas passage or something like that, just know that maybe applying that 
isn't right where I'm at, but understand that God is trying to use that to speak personally to me so that you can grow. It, it's, it's like being a, a toddler learning to walk, right? The first steps of a toddler don't go very well, but you don't tell the toddler that. You're saying, good job. You know, come on, do it again, right? And that's what God is saying. He's not like, oh, oh man, you misunderstood that. Boy, we, we gotta talk about this. <laughs> He's saying, good job, keep it up. Keep coming. Keep spending time with me. Because as you do and as you grow, you'll have greater understanding, greater discernment. For now, simply learn to experience, hear God because he's speaking personally. Be open to the reality that God is speaking to you personally through his written word. Would you stand as we pray and are dismissed today? God, thanks that you've given your word. Uh, written by multiple authors in literary styles and through the voice and words and personality of these authors, but fully 100% influenced by you and your words. Thank you that there's a mystery to that. And there's a mystery to it, God, that we can read a verse, a passage, a story a hundred times, God, and it can apply differently to us each time, that it's fresh and alive. May each person here or watching this have that kind of experience with your word, that we would understand why you wrote your words down, how they apply to us, and how you speak to us personally and relate to us. May we uh, combine all those things with the wisdom of uh, the other ways you speak and knowing how to seek direction and guidance that we would not step to the left or the right outside your guidance or will or standards. But for now, God, keep us in these baby steps of understanding and being open to your speaking to us personally through your word and add wisdom and discernment to that as we grow and as we do. Give us a wonderful week, Lord. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for being here today. If you're able to stack chairs, that'd be super helpful. And hope to see you again next week.